Back here on One on One, New York's longest-running sports call-in show. Our pleasure to be joined by Pat O'Keefe, sports director and news anchor at News 12, heard on NBA Radio and 98.7 ESPN right here in New York. Pat, thanks so much for taking some time today. How are you? I'm great. It's always, uh, it's always great to be on with the guys at FUV, so I hope you guys are doing well. Well, we appreciate you coming on. Yes, doing well, and, and I know Sam is as well. So I wanted to start with the Yankees' success and winners of eight of their last ten after some trade deadline movement and the acquisitions playing a big part with some impact from Anthony Rizzo and, of course, Joey Gallo last night. How do you feel that this Yankee team has improved with those two coming into the fold? I mean, the first improvement is obviously what Rizzo and Gallo bring to the table with their own production. But what what this has had the feeling of since the trade deadline last week when these moves were announced, somewhat surprisingly, I didn't expect the Yankees to be sellers, but I didn't expect them to be as aggressive as they were. These reminded me, if you go back 15, 20 years ago, the great Yankee teams, which yet technically are part of this run because the Yankees have never been bad going back to 1995, but it's not the same now that it was 15 years ago. But these moves remind me of what they used to do 15, 20 years ago. What they would do is they would always be aggressive at the deadline. They would always find that one or two big name piece or pieces that they need. Not only would those guys more often than not come in to contribute, but what they would do is they would kind of raise the level of play of everyone around them. And that's what's happened here. I think is as important as what Rizzo and Gallo have done on the field. It was kind of a message from Cashman, from Hal Steinbrenner, from the front office saying that, hey, we're not going to give up on this team yet. And I think the players have really taken that to heart. Rizzo and Gallo have been good. Rizzo's been fantastic. But I think everybody else has kind of gotten better too. Yeah, that's certainly a big part uh, of a trade deadline acquisition. It's all about not only what they provide on the field, but also off the field. And we've seen it here. Now, looking ahead for the Yankees and the wild card seems it's crazy to say this already. If, if you heard this a couple of weeks ago, it would have been crazy to hear. But the wild card is certainly in reach. Is the division in reach? That's my question here. Do you think the Yankees have a shot to get back in the AL East? I do, because as much, well, let's start with the Red Sox, and they're in second place right now. They're in the, the first wild card position. I mean, you go back to the Yankees have had so many brutal losses, even in the last month and a half, okay? Uh, go back to what was, I think, their fourth low point of the season. It was the Sunday, I think it was July 25th, Domingo Herman takes a no-hitter into the eighth inning, and the Yankees end up not only losing the no-hitter, they end up losing the game. And that was like their fourth gut punch loss in the span of about three weeks. But since that day, the Yankees have gone eight and two and the Red Sox have gone three and seven. And that has corresponded with the trade deadline. The Red Sox were said to be interested in Anthony Rizzo. The Yankees made the move to get Anthony Rizzo. And I think that's a big part of it. So the Yankees have made up five games on the Red Sox in the span of 10 days. And during that same time frame, Tampa Bay has gone five and four. So they've made up two and a half games on Tampa Bay. Now, Tampa's a more talented team. I think for, for, for most of the season, Boston has been playing a little bit ahead of where they project to be. So I, I definitely think the Yankees, Boston is there to be caught. Is the lead for Tampa too great to overcome? It might be, um, especially considering the talent and, and really the structure on their roster. But I wouldn't say the division title is out of the question at this point. For Yankee fans, this season has seemed to be a bit of a roller coaster. Coming in with World Series expectations and then seeing them struggle throughout the first half and now pick things up again. 
I don't know if we're back to the point where we feel like this is a team that can still compete and ultimately win a World Series. But I'm curious in your mind, Pat, if this latest stretch, eight wins in their last 10 games, has changed your mind about how you think, how far you think this team can go. It has, because even if you go back to around July 4th, and that was three weeks before the trade deadline, that's when they started playing well. They had that split doubleheader against the Mets. Game one was another one of those brutal losses where Aroldis Chapman imploded and the Mets won in extra innings. Yankees salvaged the nightcap of that. And then they went on that road trip. They took two out of three in Seattle. They took two out of three in Houston, which included another gut punch loss, the Jose Altuve home run. So they've been playing better since then. And if you go back to that, I was saying that if they could just find a way to get into the playoffs, I do think they could be dangerous because you start with the pitching in a short series. And in the American League, if Garrett Cole is at the top of his game and he has the ball in game one, I still don't see another starting pitcher in the American League who's going to have an advantage over him. So that's a pretty good place to start in game one of a series. And now there's a roadmap. And again, all of these things have to go right. And chances are not all of them will have to go right. But Corey Kluber, right before he got injured, had become that bonafide number two starter they needed the, they needed him to be. He pitched the no-hitter. His next game he got injured. He's on his way back. Luis Severino's on his way back. What are you going to get out of him? Can you get five innings of two-run ball, five innings of one-run ball? Jamison Tyone was just the American League Pitcher of the Month for July after it looked like he was a lost cause for the first month and a half of the season. And now all of a sudden lately, what is their biggest weakness pitching-wise? It's, it's been the bullpen. There just aren't enough arms out there. Well, let's just say you got Cole and you got Kluber and you got Severino, you got Tyone. Well, Jordan Montgomery, who's pitched well this year, and Domingo Herman are two pretty good arms to stick into the bullpen to add depth. So again, look, that's that's the best case scenario that I just laid out, but it's out there. I want to switch over to the Mets here, who a team that kind of in the opposite direction of the Yankees right now. Uh, just I'm going to ask you the difficult question, and you don't have to have a specific answer for me, but what, what's the reason they're struggling so much right now? The reason they're struggling so much right now, in my opinion, is that DeGrom is not pitching. And when DeGrom is there, um, he and their pitching staff masked a lot of deficiencies in the Mets lineup this season. And I don't know what the reason is. It's similar to what the Yankees have dealt with and continue to deal with, with guys like Glaber Torres and, and Gary Sanchez. With the Mets, they have a bunch of guys, whether it's Francisco Lindor, whether it's Michael Conforto, whether it's Jeff McNeil, who have not played up to their expectations this season. And the reason for that, I don't know. The biggest reason why we were all talking about this being an issue with the Yankees and not the Mets for the vast majority of the season is because the Mets had DeGrom and Taiwan Walker, who was an all-star, and Marcus Stroman, who pitched like an all-star in the first half of the season. Well, now DeGrom is out of the equation. Taiwan Walker has certainly come crashing down to earth. And Marcus Stroman, to a certain extent as well, he's never been a guy who's pitched at this level for an entire season. So the Mets were always underachieving offensively, but they were in first place for two reasons. Number one, their pitching staff. And number two, their division. It's not strong. I mean, you've got Philadelphia, you've got Atlanta, decent teams, But again, to make the comparison between the Yankees and the Mets, the Yankees had roughly the same record as the Mets all season. But they've got Boston, Tampa Bay, and Toronto in their division. And right now, the Mets pitching is not carrying their offense like it was the first half of the season. To the Mets losers of seven of their last 10, 
Is it as simple as getting healthy for them, or is there another solution in the interim for them to start playing a little bit better baseball before Jacob DeGrom gets back? It's tough, right? Because now you're starting to see some cracks in the bullpen, which was really good the first half of the season. And that, to me, is still the DeGrom effect. You take DeGrom out, then you know everybody's got to do a little bit more. Taiwan Walker and Marcus Stroman, Tyler McGill, who's been good, the starters have to do a little bit more. And then without that ace every five days doing what he does, the bullpen has to do a little bit more. That's usually an off day for them or a light day for them. They don't have that built in anymore, and they're not going to until September. So that's been a problem for them as well. Um, the lineup, look, I mean, again, with, with, with the Yankees lineup, you know, Glaber Torres has played better in the second half of the season. John Carlos Stanton has hit better in the second half of the season. Gary Sanchez has, and those are all guys with track records. All right. The Mets also have guys with track records. Those guys I mentioned, Lindor and Conforto, maybe not the same track records as a, as, as John Carlos Stanton or a Glaber Torres, but they've got track records too. They need those guys to start playing better. Yeah. I mean, with the Mets here for we, a lot of the kind of narrative right now is that even if they're the division lead is slipping away, it's a weak division. And once the Grom returns in September, it takes a little pressure off that bullpen, kind of like you're saying, and they can still have the division in hand. Are, do you think that's the case? Or are you actually worried that the Mets could, could seriously lose this division, even when they do get the Grom back in September? Oh, I don't think DeGrom coming back automatically makes them the favorites to win the division again. I think they're in a dogfight now. And what, where are they going to be when he comes back? Are they going to be two games up? Are they going to be five games back? I mean, look, look, Philadelphia has been, I think, underachieving for the last two years since Joe Girardi went down there to take over. But they, they're still talent on that team. They don't have a lot of pitching depth either. So DeGrom coming back doesn't automatically mean, okay, the Mets are going to, you know, retain their rightful spot on top of the division. But, you know, are we, are we getting Syndergaard back? Can he contribute? Maybe probably out of the bullpen. Carlos Carrasco, let's continue to stretch him out and see if he can slide into that two, three spot on the rotation, which is where he was expected to be when the Mets made the trade with Cleveland before the season. So these are all things that can contribute. I, I think at the end of the day, especially with Acuna out for Atlanta, I think it, all things being equal, if DeGrom's healthy, the Mets are the best team, but the best team doesn't always win. Talking with Pat O'Keefe, the sports director and news anchor at News 12, heard on NBA radio and 98.7 ESPN. Want to transition a little bit to basketball just before we let you go here, Pat. Julius Randle signing a four-year, $117 million extension, seemingly taking a discount to stay in New York. What did you make of that, and what does it mean for the Knicks' future? You know, I thought it was great because last season there was, you know, this love affair that developed between the Knicks fans and Randall and vice versa. And there was a lot of lip service paid to that. But you never really know. Obviously, everybody said the right things during the season. Randall's play on the court had a lot to do with it. His leadership on and off the court had a lot to do with it. But to actually see him sign this extension when he could have waited another year and even if he performs 90%, of how he played this year. That's a max player in the NBA. That's a max. When, when DeMar DeRozan at this stage in his career is getting nearly $30 million a year, what Julius Randle did this year is a max level player. And for him to not hold the Knicks feet to the fire. And that's what you need to do to create, you know, a winning culture and a winning environment. And, and, and I know there was a little disappointment the first couple of days of free agency 
It was such a special season for the Knicks and day one of free agency, bringing back Rose and Noel and Burks and then adding Evan Fournier didn't exactly knock anybody's socks off. So I think there was a little bit of disappointment. It felt like the momentum had stalled a little bit, but I, I also think it's important to remember that unless you signed Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving in their primes on the first day of free agency, nobody turns into a contender like that. All right. So I don't think the expectation, I think there was a little bit increased expectations for the Knicks to turn into a contender, you know, after what they did last season. And that's not going to happen. But what Randall did is allow them the flexibility to continue to grow under this head coach, the coach of the year, uh, continue to develop a guy like RJ Barrett. And then we'll see where we are a year from now. So, so get better this year, get, get to the second round of the playoffs this year. All right. And then see where you are right now. But right now, you know, with this contract, you know, two things. Number one, you've kind of got it. You still have an anchor on your roster in Julius Randle, and you don't have a guy whose contract is going to be an albatross for the duration of that. Well, we mentioned kind of the guys that were, that the Knicks are bringing back. What about Kemba Walker? What about Fournier? Guys that the, uh, the Knicks went out and got this offseason. What do you think their role is? How are they going to help this Knicks team? And overall, do you see this Knicks team? You talked about instead of maybe maybe moving on to a second round of the playoffs. Is that kind of a new goal for this team going into this next season? I think it has to be a new goal, at minimum, getting to the second round of the playoffs. You, you want to see linear improvement. Um, and they're better. They're, the Knicks today, in my opinion, are better than they were last season. I mean, Evan Fournier is a big addition. Now that they have Kemba Walker, I, I wasn't thrilled with the Fournier addition when it seemed like he was the one new addition. But when you can add him to Kemba Walker, I mean – one of the glaring deficiencies for the Knicks in that Atlanta playoff series last year was they just didn't have a guy who could hit or create his own shot. And Fournier can do that. He's done that, you know, to a certain extent with Orlando during his career. He, he did it to the United States in the Olympics a couple of weeks ago, showing what he's capable of there. Um, and then you have Kemba Walker in the backcourt and, and they don't need him to be 31, 32, 33 minute a guy. You know, I, I think it's a, it could be potentially if his knees can hold up, it could be a great situation between he and Derrick Rose, you know, you, you start Kemba, you play him 26 minutes a game. You play Derrick Rose 22 minutes a game. Rose goes back to his bench position, which he was so comfortable with. I thought the whole Atlanta series turned around last year when Tom Thibodeau put Rose in the starting lineup. That just took away the Knicks. One great advantage over the Hawks was their bench. And then the other thing is they're both old. They both have a lot of miles on their legs. Um, this will also give them the opportunity to – I know people hate to hear this, but to rest them every now and then. And Tom Thibodeau has never been a guy to do that, but I think he's going to have to take a long, hard look at scheduling off days throughout the season for both Kemba Walker and Derrick Rose. Pat, I'll get you out of here on this one. You mentioned picking up KD and Kyrie Irving and turning a franchise around. Well, KD is sticking around in Brooklyn, just signed a four-year $198 million extension does that change anything for you with the Nets? I found like it was going to be pretty expected, but the Nets eventually get that deal done. You know what's nice about it? I agree. I think it was expected. But what's nice to actually see it, when was the last time we saw Kevin Durant sign a contract extension of that length? It's been a while. You know, he always did the one plus one thing in Golden State, and there was always that thing hanging over his head all season long. Well, is this going to be your last year? What are you going to do in the offseason? And the nice thing that he did for himself and for his team was kind of put that aside by making this long-term commitment to the Nets. Now you know he's invested. He doesn't have to deal with those questions anymore. We know he hates being asked those questions. But to be honest, 
he that was fair game. He put himself in position to be asked those questions with the way he signed his contracts in the past. Um, look, right now, August offseason, the favorite to win the NBA championship, in my opinion, is the Brooklyn Nets. And what this has done is add some more long-term stability to that franchise. Pat O'Keefe, sports director and news anchor at News 12, heard on NBA radio and 98.7 ESPN in New York. Pat, thanks so much for taking some time with us today. Good talking to you. Thanks a lot, guys. We'll be back with more one-on-one right after this.